You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. If you've got your Bibles there, please go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 13, and we'll be starting at verse 44. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, and we continue today in our summer series looking at some of the parables of Jesus Christ. And if you were with us two weeks ago in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus taught us that the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a field and and wheat is planted in the field. Then an enemy comes along and sows weeds. And and then the, the wheat and the weeds, they grow up together and that's like the already. But there will come a time at the harvest, when, when, when the weeds and the wheat are separated forever. And that's the not yet. Last week, we heard that the kingdom of heaven is like a small piece of leaven that is put into dough. That's like the already. And then that leaven will spread throughout the entire thing, and that's the not yet. We also heard that the kingdom of heaven is like a small mustard seed. That's the already. But then one day that mustard seed will grow into this huge tree, and that is the not yet. And so today we'll be continuing in Matthew chapter 13, looking deeper into what the kingdom of heaven is like. But before we go much further, let's take a moment just to remind ourselves what the kingdom of heaven actually is. So this is the definition up on the screen that we've used for the last two weeks that the kingdom of heaven is this, the redemptive rule of God in Christ. The redemptive rule of God in Christ. Sometimes we think of that word kingdom and we think like nation or country or empire or people, but when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 13, he's talking about his rule. He's talking about his reign as king. And it's a redemptive rule which means it's a saving rule. God is ruling by bringing about salvation. So this is what the kingdom of heaven is all about in our lives up on the screen. It's all about this, having Jesus as my king. Having Jesus as my king. The kingdom of heaven is about having Jesus as my saving king who rules over my life right now in the already and who will rule over my life forever in the not yet. So we can think of the kingdom of heaven kind of like this up on the screen. God is ruling redemptively. Jesus Christ the king is ruling in a saving way. That's the kingdom of heaven. And he's ruling over the already up on the screen. He's he's ruling over the already. He has saved us from the penalty of sin. Jesus died on the cross to make full payment for the sin of all who would place their faith in him. Think of it this way. The king was ruling from the cross. He was ruling and reigning from the cross, bringing salvation. He saved us from the power of sin 
For all those who place their faith in Jesus, the power of sin has been smashed over our lives. We are no longer enslaved to sin. He has brought us to himself. That's the gospel. He has brought us to himself. This is the greatest treasure we can possibly have. He is sanctifying us right now. Right now, if you're in Jesus Christ, he's making you more like himself. He's making you fruitful for his glory. And he is being everything that we need right now. Everything we need right now, he is being that for us. He is ruling over the already. But he will also rule over the not yet up on the screen. He will save us from even the presence of sin. Sin will be eradicated forever, gone. We will never sin again. We will never be sinned against again. Sin, gone. Uh, He will bring us to himself face to face. Now we enter into the, the presence of God spiritually. Then it will be face to face. He will glorify us. He will make us perfect, and, and he himself will be our inheritance forever and ever and ever. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is how Jesus rules over our lives as our saving king. So the kingdom of heaven is this. It's God entering your life like a tidal wave of love and grace and mercy. It's God coming uh, into your life with power and saving you from sin and death through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's God moving upon you personally and giving you a new heart and indwelling you by his spirit and making you a new person from the inside out. It's God in his sovereignty ruling over everything in your life and somehow turning it all for your good. It's God in his faithfulness, never leaving you, always supplying you with all of the grace and strength for every situation you will face in your life. It's God in his love, bringing about obedience and holiness in your life as you abide in him. And it's God one day bringing you to himself face to face forever in glory. That's what it looks like to have Jesus as your king, ruling over your life in every way, bringing about every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet. That is the kingdom of heaven. And in our text today, Jesus says, that the kingdom of heaven is by far, by far, the world's greatest treasure. Jesus as our king is by far the world's greatest treasure. So here's the question for each one of us to to be wrestling with this morning. Here it is. Is the kingdom of heaven my greatest treasure? Is the kingdom of heaven my greatest treasure? is having Jesus as my saving king, ruling over my life in every way, bringing about every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet, my greatest treasure. Well, that leads us to our first point, which is this. Point number one, the kingdom of heaven is the world's greatest treasure, and it will cost me everything. 
The kingdom of heaven is the world's greatest treasure and it will cost me everything. Have a look with me now at verse 44. Jesus says this. Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So notice first, Jesus is describing what the kingdom of heaven is like. Look again at verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Now when Jesus spoke these words, there was no such thing as a bank. So if people had money or gold or gems or things that were valuable and they wanted to hide them or they wanted to secure them in some way, they'd have to look around and find a good spot and then bury it in the ground. So the ground was the bank of the ancient world. So if people were, they were, they were concerned that maybe they would get robbed or if they knew an invading army was on the way, then they would quickly bury all of their valuables in the ground so they wouldn't get stolen. This was a, a common practice. So here's what would often happen. Because people would bury all of their stuff, they would, they would then either sometimes forget where they buried it or forget that they buried it or they would pass away before they dug it back up again, which meant that there was literally stuff buried everywhere that nobody knew about. This is the backdrop to this parable. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven, having Jesus as our king, ruling over our lives in every way, bringing about every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet, is like a treasure that has been buried in a field. So what does he mean by that exactly? Well, look what he says next in verse 44. Verse 44, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found. So the idea here is that a man then enters this field where the treasure is buried. And it could be that he's just kind of walking through the field, and as he walks through the field, he sees something. He's like, what's that? And he starts to kind of dig around with his hands. But it's more likely that the idea here is that the man is working in the field, that he's working in someone else's field, and he's plowing the field, and he's turning up the soil, and then suddenly he uncovers something. It's like, dig, 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 thud. He's like, what's that? So he wasn't out looking for treasure, he just kind of stumbled upon it, which again wouldn't be that uncommon. So look what he does next in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Now it's interesting that he covers the treasure back up because according to Jewish law, he could have just kept the treasure. It was so common for people to find things in the ground that were buried that Jewish law said if you found something anywhere, even if it wasn't on your property, you could keep it. It was kind of like finders keepers. So he could have just taken the treasure. It's interesting that he didn't, especially when we consider the value of this treasure. Because it's not like he was in the field and he saw like a chair leg sticking out of the ground. He's like, oh, cool, a chair. 
wasn't like that. Like, it's not like that at all. This treasure is the greatest thing he's ever seen. In fact, it's priceless. And maybe that's why he doesn't take it. Maybe it's just too valuable to take. And, 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 and his, he's wrestling with his conscience a little bit. And he feels like he has to compensate the owner some way. So he doesn't take it. Instead, he covers it back up again. And look what he does next in verse 44. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So again, the man is out working in a field. He stumbles across a priceless treasure in the ground, and he really wants it. He must have this treasure. So in his joy, in the joy of finding this treasure, in the joy of wanting this treasure, he gathers together everything he has, all of his possessions, and he goes and he sells all of it, all of it. And then he takes all of the money, every dime. He goes to the owner of the field and he gives the owner all of it, every dime, to buy that field because that's where the treasure is. He doesn't do it half-heartedly. He's not like, oh, do I have to do this? Do I have to go give this person my money and all that I have? He, he does it joyfully. He does it gladly. He gladly gives everything he has in the world for the field because that's where the treasure is. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is just like that. Having Jesus as your saving king ruling over your life in every way, bringing about every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet, is like treasure in a field that a man finds and gives up everything he has to get that treasure. So what exactly is Jesus meaning by this story? Well, here's what he doesn't mean. Here's what he's not saying, okay, up on the screen. He's not saying this. He's not saying the kingdom of heaven is something that you can buy with lots of money, okay? He's not saying that up on the screen. Let's get that out of the way. He's not saying that, okay? So if he's not saying that, what is he saying? Well, he's saying this up on the screen, that the kingdom of heaven is the world's greatest treasure and it will cost you everything. To have Jesus as your king, to have every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet, it's the world's greatest treasure, and it will cost you everything. So what does that mean? Well, it means this. It means that when someone is truly saved, they will not remain the same. When you are truly saved, you cannot stay the same. When you are truly saved, you go from death to life. When you're truly saved, you go from darkness to light. You go from one kingdom to another kingdom up on the screen. This is how Paul described it in Colossians chapter one. Paul says, he, that's God, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
So when Jesus becomes our king, he pulls us out from Satan's destructive authority and power, and he places us under his saving authority and power. He makes us new creations. He gives us new hearts. He indwells us by his spirit, and he gives us new desires. And then he calls us, he commands us to go out and pursue a new life of obedience and holiness. So yes, salvation is free, praise God, but it will cost you your old life. Yes, salvation is free, but it will cost you old self-destructive ways of living. Yes, salvation is free, but it will cost you old patterns of sin that have been making you miserable for years or even decades. And for those who are truly saved, this is exactly what they want. They want to live a new life. They want to live a life that pleases God. And of course, of course, that's not gonna look like some kind of perfect life. We don't do perfect, is that right? I don't do perfect, do you? We don't do perfect. It's not gonna look like a perfect life, but it will look like a new life. A new life going in a new direction. So yes, salvation is free, praise God. But it will cost you everything because your old life will be over and your new life will begin. Amen? So is that the only cost? Is the only cost giving up the old life that you actually want to give up anyway? That's not the only cost. There's another cost and it's significant. Jesus said this up on the screen in John chapter 15, he says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus is telling his disciples what to expect, what life will be like. He's saying if they, if they persecuted your king, what are they gonna do to you as you seek to live a life of holiness? Jesus also said this up on the screen in Matthew chapter 10, he said, and you will be hated. You will be hated by all for my name's sake but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So yes, salvation is free, praise God, but it will cost you everything. It will cost you your old life and it may cost you far more. But here's the truth, ready? Here's the truth. We have a treasure that is greater than any cost, amen? You and I, if you are saved in Jesus Christ today, we have a treasure that is greater than any cost and it's called the kingdom of heaven. 
We can think of it this way. If all you have in life is one gold coin, like that's it, that's all you have in life, and then someone comes along and they take your gold coin away, you've just lost everything. That loss was, was catastrophic, you've lost everything. But if you have a treasury of gold, a treasury of gold, and someone comes along and they take your gold coin, then that's a loss. But in the grand scheme of things, it's small because you have a whole treasury of gold. Likewise, likewise, in the same way, everything that we have in this life, our possessions, our comfort, our money, the approval of certain people, and our lives themselves, it's like a coin up on the screen. Now how much is that coin worth? All of our possessions, all of the comfort we find in the things of this world, all of our money, the approval of of those people in our lives, our life itself, how much is that coin worth? It's worth a lot, isn't it? It is a very valuable coin. But if you possess the treasury of the kingdom of heaven up on the screen, God ruling over your life in every way, bringing about every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet, if you possess that treasury of the kingdom of heaven and the coin of this life is taken away from you, then you still have the greatest treasure that there is. And this is exactly what happened in the early church. In fact, in the letter to the Hebrews, the author reminds the church of what happened to them when they first got saved. Hebrews chapter 10, up on the screen, the author says, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So the, the, the author is reminding them, he's like, do you remember what happened when you first got saved and all those people in the church were arrested and taken to prison, do you remember? Because prison in these days was a different place. You didn't get things like food or water. So if a prisoner was going to survive in prison, someone had to go to them and bring them food and bring them water. And so the church had a decision to make. Are we gonna go? and bring them food and water, or are we not? Because if we go, then we'll be identified as Christians as well, and we'll probably get thrown in prison, or maybe even worse. So no doubt they prayed about it, they sought the Lord, and then they went. They went. And as they're passing food and water, maybe through the bars, a messenger comes and tells them what happened back at home, that their, their property has been plundered. So that could mean that their property has been seized. It could mean that everything's been set on fire and burned to the ground. It could be that all their possessions are out in the streets and all been stampled upon, crushed. 
but they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property because they knew that they had a better possession. They had an abiding one, which is the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. And this treasure so outweighed the cost of their persecution that they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property because they knew they had a better treasure than their property. So let's ask ourselves, do I treasure the kingdom of heaven like that? Do I truly treasure the kingdom of heaven like that? Because as I ask myself that question, I'm like, man, I, I have a long way to go. Do I treasure the kingdom of heaven like that? Maybe sometimes, probably not a lot of the time, Is this my heart for the kingdom of God up on the screen? This is a hymn that was written by Martin Luther. It's called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. You can throw that up on the screen. A Mighty Fortress is Our God up on the screen. I'm going to start reading it. Hopefully it comes up soon. Here's what it says. Martin Luther wrote these words, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So the truth that God's kingdom is the ultimate treasure that God's kingdom is forever. If we treasure the kingdom, then we are empowered then to let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man who found a treasure and in his joy, he gave up everything to get it. But notice again that this man in the field, he wasn't even looking for treasure. He just kind of stumbled upon it one day. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is just like that. Because the kingdom of heaven is often found by people who aren't even looking for it. And maybe that's your story. Maybe you weren't looking for God. Maybe you weren't looking for the kingdom of heaven, but then there was that one day when you stumbled upon the kingdom of heaven, the gospel was proclaimed to you, you believed, you surrendered to the king. That's my story. I wasn't out looking for the kingdom of God. I was the last guy, and I was an atheist, and I was not looking for God. I was running in the opposite direction, and my father-in-law gave me a book called Mere Christianity. I had no intention of reading it at all. It ended up on my night table for months and months and months. One night I couldn't sleep. And I reached over and I grabbed that book because it was the only thing that, that was kind of like right there. And as I started to read a few hours later, the scales fell off my eyes. I believed that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. Ended up on my bathroom floor at 3.30 in the morning giving my life to the king. And maybe you are here today 
And you certainly didn't come here looking for treasure. But in this service, you have just stumbled across the kingdom of heaven. And you can lay hold of that treasure today by understanding your need that I've sinned against the king. I've made an enemy of the king. And then, and then placing your faith in the king who died on the cross to make payment for all of your sin personally placing your faith in him and what he did for you on the cross and then surrendering to him as your saving king. If you do that, then today you will lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the greatest treasure in the world and it will cost me everything. That leads us to our second and final point Uh, which is this, point number two, very similar to the first. The kingdom of heaven has infinite value and it will cost me everything. The kingdom of heaven has infinite value and it will cost me everything. Let's have a look now at verse 45. Jesus says, verse 45, he says again, again, Similar to what I just said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven, it's it's also like this. It's like a merchant. It's like a businessman who is out searching for pearls. Now in the ancient world, pearls were like one of the most valuable things that you could ever have. It's kind of like if you had uh, like really, 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 really expensive diamonds today. Pearls were like one of the most expensive things that you could possibly have, and people would literally risk their lives trying to find them. Because if you could get your hands on a, a few really good pearls, like you'd be set. You might even be set for life. So here's what people searching for pearls would do. They would literally tie rocks around themselves. They would go out in a boat and throw themselves into the sea. So they would sink down to the bottom where there's no air and lots of pressure, and they would scramble around looking for some pearls. They would go long enough to to, to the point where they ran out of air, and then they'd try to get the rocks off them and swim to the surface. Like it was just dangerous beyond danger. It's like on so many levels, just so dangerous. But it's also why pearls were so rare and so expensive. So in verse 45, we have this man. He's a merchant. He's a businessman. And his business is buying and selling pearls. So he's out. He's trying to source some good pearls that he can get at a good price and sell for a good profit. So look what happens in verse 45. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value. So this businessman, he's out, he's, he's searching around for pearls. He's like, you don't know even where any pearls are? He's going to all his contacts and someone's like, you want to see a pearl? You want to see a pearl? Look at this one. And he sees this pearl. It's, it's the biggest, most valuable pearl that he's ever seen. It's huge, it's round, it's clear, it's perfect. And in this moment, he knows one thing. I must get this pearl. 
because he gets this one pearl, he's set for life. So look what he does, verse 45. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So just like the man who found the treasure in the field and he sold all that he had to get the field because that's where the treasure is, this man also goes and sells everything that he has. He's a businessman, he's a merchant, he sells his house, sells his properties, sells all of his possessions, everything that he has to raise enough money to buy this one perfect pearl. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is just like that. It's just like that. It has infinite value, and it will cost you everything. So here's a question. Is there some way that you and I can look a little bit deeper, like right now, into the pearl of the kingdom of heaven to see more of its beauty and value? Well, let's try to do that right now up on the screen. So here is some of what God's word has to say about the pearl of having Jesus Christ as our saving king. So what do you think? Is that pretty clear to everybody? Pretty clear? Not really? Okay, well, let's see what we can do. Maybe we can zoom in on the left side of that pearl. We can zoom, okay, here we go. So, so this is Jesus' rule over the already. Salvation, again, ruling as the sovereign king from the cross, salvation, justification, where not only are our sins forgiven, but the perfect record of obedience of Jesus Christ is credited to the account of the believer so that they can be made perfect in Christ. That's justification. All of our sins forgiven and the perfect righteousness of Christ credited to our account so that in Christ, God can see us as perfect and then bring us into his presence giving us access to God, which is the greatest thing we could ever have through union with Jesus Christ, spiritual union with him so that God is now with me. He's with you. God is now in me. We are indwelt by God himself, the spirit of God, and we can now walk in freedom because we are no longer enslaved to sin. The power of sin has been smashed and, and we have become, become children of God. He has adopted us. This is how he rules over the already. He has adopted us. We are now children of the king. He has given us his word and given us the ability day by day to understand it to comprehend scripture and the things of God. He, he makes intercession for us. The, the spirit of God praying for us with groanings that are too deep for words. God's power being in, uh, unleashed upon our lives, giving us grace for every situation we will ever face. And that's just the left side. How about the right side? Look, look at this, God's provision. He's promised to provide everything that you need in your life. That's how he's ruling over your life, his protection. He will make sure that you make it to the very end. Sanctification every day, working in our lives, making us more and more like him in character, having purpose in our lives, which is to bear fruit for his glory, being part of a new family, the church, 
All the blessing of being in the church, true satisfaction. I mean, this is what we all long for, to be truly satisfied, and we can be in him, in relationship with him, true security. Knowing that you are safe, you are safe right now, you are safe forever, real peace. Real peace in our hearts in the midst of storms. Real joy in our lives, no matter what our circumstances are, because it's joy in God. Perfect love being poured out into our hearts by the Spirit and an ultimate hope, the hope of glory, the hope of being with him one day face to face. And speaking of hope, let's have a look at his rule over the not yet. That's the bottom of the pearl. Glorification being made perfect in every way in the new heavens and the new earth. If you are in Christ, you're going to be there. The new heavens, the new earth, no more sin, no more suffering, no more death, face to face with God. Face to face with God and experiencing joy like we have never experienced before. Whatever perfect joy is, we will experience it. Perfect pleasure in the presence of God and reigning forever as co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And that's just some, that's just some of what the Bible says about what it means to have Jesus as our saving king. Amen. So let's look at that whole pearl once again up on the screen. So ask yourself, How much is that pearl worth? How much is it worth to have Jesus as your king, ruling over your life in every way, bringing about every benefit of salvation in the already and the not yet? How much is it worth? Is it worth more than money? More than possessions? more than comfort, more than reputation, more than our lives? Because Jesus says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man who who found one pearl of great value and he gave up everything to get it, everything. And notice this also. Unlike the man in the field who just kind of stumbled over the treasure, this man, the merchant, he was actually out searching for treasure. He was searching for treasure. And maybe that's your story. Maybe there was a time in your life when you were searching for answers. You knew there was a God and you were searching for him and then one day you found him. You found him in the person of Jesus Christ. You found the treasure. You found the kingdom of heaven. Maybe that's your story. But maybe you're here today and you're searching right now. Maybe you're here today and you are looking for answers. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning in your life. Maybe you're here today and you are searching for God. Maybe that's you. And today, you have just found the kingdom of heaven. So now, it's time to reach out and to lay hold of the kingdom by admitting your need that I've sinned against the king, I've transgressed against the king, 
and then placing your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross to make full payment for your sin and then surrendering to him as your saving king. I'm praying that there are some here right now that will do just that. The kingdom of heaven has infinite value and it will cost me everything. And for those of us here today who are saved in Jesus Christ, you know, sometimes we can, we can know, we can know that the kingdom has infinite value, but we're not experiencing that at the level of our, of our affections. Sometimes we can know, we can know that having Jesus as our saving king has infinite value, but somehow our affections, they just, they haven't caught up or they've somehow become dull. So ask yourself, is the kingdom of heaven truly my greatest treasure? Or, or, have I been treasuring many other things in my life far more than the kingdom of heaven because I've lost sight of the kingdom? And do I need to ask the Lord today to do a work in my heart to help me once again to see and treasure and value the infinite worth of having Jesus Christ as my king. If so, would you please join me as we pray for that right now? So Father, we have heard what the kingdom of heaven is like. And now we're praying We're praying for something supernatural to happen right now. We're praying that you would work in our hearts to to help us to see it again. To help us to feel the worth of having Jesus Christ as our king. And as we sing this next song, I pray that it would be a prayer for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.